What do you call that noise? Welcome to What Do You Call That Noise, the XTC podcast. My name is Amy Parkerson, and I'm delighted to be joined today by a lovely bunch of women who count themselves among XTC's greatest fans. We'll be meeting them in a minute and finding out the songs and books that they'll be talking about over the next hour. First, though, a thank you to the generous supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. They include Pink Things, Humble Daisies, and Knights in Shining Karma. And the Knights in Shining Karma will get a name check at the end of this episode. If you'd like to join them, please head to patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. Now it's time for the playground, and we're making a return trip to Germany where we find Arthur and Esther, children of Rainer Fielder, talking about why they find XTC so special. We'd like to give a big thank you to Polly, Hamish, and their dad, Don, for letting us hear them in English. What do you call that noise? Okay, eine Frage, die mir jetzt noch einfällt. One more question that comes to my mind just now. Ihr habt jetzt, ihr, ihr, As I know there are many bands that you like. Why is Ecstasy so special to you? What makes them so special to you? Why did Ecstasy become your favorite band from all the ones you're listening to every day? Is there a reason for this? They have a very beautiful style. Their own style, somehow. And they are very versatile. Halt solchen fröhlichen from Liedern, very happy songs like helicopter to songs like sacrificial bonfire or this world over Liedern, die um ein richtig happy und uh, from songs that make you happy and wild Liedern, and happy die to songs that und are thought provoking songs that make you feel relaxed ich mag's gerne weil I also like weil XTC halt auch nicht der XTC so bekannt ist so well known und um, they have a wonderful songs and discerning lyrics Texte and sometimes they are wild and sometimes wild und manchmal ruhig mhm. mir, mir gefällt auch dass die solche I also like Vielfalt an Musik they have so many songs Uh, so almost classical music, chamber music pieces. Mm -hmm. What do you like the most? The rock, punky stuff, or the quietest? Um, that depends. That depends on my mood. It depends on where you are at the moment and how you feel. Okay. I say thank you very much. Do you have a final word to the ecstasy fans out there in the world? You have a great musical taste. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. Thank you. What do you call that noise? Thank you, Esther. Fantastic to know we have such great musical tastes. Talking of taste, as a great songwriter said, the more I have to drink, the more that I can think to say. With that in mind, we're starting a new feature on the XTC podcast in which listeners recommend the perfect drink to enjoy with the perfect song. To kick us off, here is Kathy Forster. What do you call that noise? My name is Kathy Forster, and I recommend pairing Travels in Nihilon with a rum and coke. The dark, fruity tones of both these classics complement each other perfectly. Thank you, Kathy. That sounds like an excellent combination. <laughs> Time to introduce ourselves. As I said, I'm Amy Parkerson. I live in sunny California. And the song that I'm going to be talking about today is Lady Bird. Let's hear from everyone else. Hello, my name is Ruit Friedland. I live in the metropolitan area of Tel Aviv in Israel, that far off and mythical land. And uh, my song of choice is Church of Women. A lie for a lie, but a truth for the truth. 
and I'll be talking about a seminal book for Andy Partridge called uh, The Women's Encyclopedia of Myths and Secrets. Hey, I'm Dean. I'm coming from New York in uh, the borough that I find a lot of parallels with what Angie would say about Swindon, Staten Island. <laughs> and today I'm going to be talking about Take This Town. I'm Ursula from Northumberland in the northeast of England. I've been listening to XTC since I was a child in the late 70s. And I'm doing this podcast to dispel the myth that most women have bad taste in music and just want to listen to slushy love songs because XTC definitely aren't that. And my chosen XTC song tonight is The Last Balloon. The last balloon is I come from a small town, small city in Michigan called Bell Creek. Serial city of the world, Kellogg's is here. The song I'm going to talk about today is called Mayor of Simpleton. I guess the first question for all of us today is how did we all get into XTC for it? So I never heard of XTC until 1989 uh, when we were visiting New York and we saw Dave Letterman introducing XTC. King for a day was love at first sight. And luckily my partner offer was equally hooked. Then the next morning, we rushed to Tower Records to get whatever they had there, which was oranges and lemons and skylarking. And finding out more about them and getting their back catalog was, you know, took us years and it was a very lonely experience. And that all changed with the internet. Uh, I think it's safe to say that, you know, we are one... You know, those fans who've taken their fandom to extremes by taking frequent flights to the UK to attend gatherings and gigs by cover bands and forming lifelong friendships along the way, and all of which changed the course of our lives and enriched it in quite unimaginable ways. So we, I speak for my partner offer and myself saying we feel very lucky and grateful for the gift of XTC in our life. How I got into XTC was um, back in the drums and wires era. And so as a New Yorker, I was exposed to a whole bunch of, you know, edgy music, post-punk, whatever. Um, before it was called post-punk, I grew up surreptitiously watching Saturday Night Live. So I got to see performances by people like Talking Heads, even the specials, um, Devo, and they right over my head. I just, it wasn't landing for me. I wasn't getting it. But then (laughs) it took a trip to Northwestern Ontario to visit my grandparents not long after my 13th birthday. And there was some kind of documentary on about the new wave. And XTC was part of the new waves, uh, riding high on um, Colin's two singles, Life Begins at the Hop and Making Plans for Nigel. Boy, oh boy, that was an epiphany. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it goes from there. I came back from Northwestern Ontario, like, or it said, 
a very lonely experience. It's like, ah, this band, you know, there's like nobody else I knew at that point had heard of XTC and for crying out loud, I had to leave New York to find out about them. I discovered them. Um, I was only about nine or, nine or 10 back in the late 70s, early 80s. And um, at the time, I was just sort of getting into music. I was still at school and there was a lot of good music around, things like The Stranglers and um, The Jam, Elvis Costello and The Attractions. And a lot of like, you know, good sort of new wave punk bands were out in the charts. But um, sort of autumn 1979, I remember making plans for Nigel um, came out in the um, charts and uh, immediately it like it was such the, such a quirky catchy great sort of song great bass line I mean I just loved it you know and it just caught my attention immediately and um I was only like um, a school, a school kid, um, but I remember I was on the, the school bus coming home and, and suddenly it came blaring on the speakers on the, the radio because we had this like radio on the school bus and um, came up on the radio. And I remember turning around to my friends who were just into, you know, things like um, Olivia Newton-John and Brotherhood of Man and ABBA and stuff like that still, you know, and I just turned around and said, oh, it's, it's that song by XTC, you know, I got really excited and uh, it kind of fell on deaf ears because they all just looked like really blankly at me, so I thought, oh, they obviously <laughs> don't know what I'm on about. Um, and not only that one, I mean, Generals and Majors, Sergeant Rock, Senses Working Overtime had some really powerful hits in the, you know, in, in the beginning. Um, and I'm surprised that they weren't much bigger than they actually were, you know, because they were just great songs. And they actually got a, quite a bit of exposure on, on television back then. They're on a lot of, um, uh, well, kids programs, really, like um, Swap Shop. Um, they're on top of the pops. Uh, even Cracker Jack, if you remember Cracker Jack, uh, which they're probably a little bit embarrassed about now. But I mean, I think I think these shows, you know, if it wasn't for these shows, people like my age and my generation probably wouldn't have got into them as, as early as we did. But um, having said that, uh, I did buy a lot of the singles and, you know, um, Waxworks, the album and that, but I didn't actually get into their other albums till I was a bit older into adulthood because um, I, I think as a, as a child, it was hard to get my sort of ears around the kind of you know the the lyrics and the the sort of quirkiness of the songs so I didn't actually even though I loved all the singles and I bought all their singles I didn't actually get into the you know the the more sort of obscure album tracks until I was into adulthood and um, but even you know even that was a surprise because I thought oh you know um yeah I thought it was just sort of new wave sort of punky stuff that they did in the beginning and it was the surprise to hear how they kind of progressed and uh, you know the great songs that they they came on to to do in addition to you know those wonderful first hits that they had in the charts so that was my discovery of them how I discovered XTC was one night I was watching MTV. There was a program on MTV called 120 Minutes. This is about 1996 or so. So <laughs> they played the, the newer alternative music and then they played this video. And I was like, I vaguely remembered the song from when it came out. But when they played it, I was like, wow, this is such a great song. I like the message of it. And it's, you know, Dear God is a really thought provoking song. And then like after that, it was weird. I started hearing more and more of their songs as time went on, like Senses Working Overtime Mirror Simpleton, Pure Pumpkinhead, Journals and Majors, Making Plans for Nigel. I thought, wow, this is a really great band. I like them. And then finally, 2001 or so, I was in our local record shop and I came across Skylarking, Orange and Lemons, and English Settlement, New CD bin. They're all $3.99. I bought them. <laughs> and the one I really got attached to right away, though, was Skylarking. And I obsessively listened to that album. And then throughout the years, I had to special order their albums because you just can't find XTC in the small city of Michigan. I had to special order them. And what really struck me about them was how consistent they were. Like, all their albums are, are pretty much really like great you know and I was like and then I was so kind of upset because it's like this band should be more popular because they're so good you I know came to XDC uh probably in the way that a lot of people do I was in high school and uh I had a friend who's impossibly cool older sister had amazing taste in music and um 
Leslie, when you said 120 minutes, you used to that that's where you sort of came across them. I absolutely just lived for that show on MTV because it really was all the really different stuff that we didn't hear on the radio and um, didn't have any exposure to in any other way. And I think the thing that really captured my attention right off the bat, it was Drums and Wires was the first album of theirs that I heard. She was playing it upstairs while my friend and I were downstairs playing Scrabble or something. And um, was just the energy of it and how angular and quirky it was. It was music, but it was layered in the most interesting ways. Like, you know, you think they're going to zig and they zag. And it was like, it didn't seem to follow any kind of template for the kinds of music that I was accustomed to hearing. So it just like it or hate it, it definitely gets your attention for being different. I think that's just one of the things that I've come to absolutely adore about the band and about Andy's songwriting and his phrasing and uh, his just in incredible creativity, his wild breaks, his just uh, experimentation with with kind of like his voice sometimes as like like syncopated or how he phrases lyrics. It's endlessly interesting and you can take as much or as little from it as you want. You can just sit with it and meditate on it and go deeper and deeper and deeper into the lyrics and the song structure and the layering of the instruments. And, uh, and it's funny because all these many, many won't say how many years later, I uh, am still so enthusiastic and excited about their music. (laughs) So I just feel so incredibly fortunate that I do know who they are. And, you know, like, like I've read that so many people have said over, over the years that, you know, they're the soundtrack to my life. They're the soundtrack to my youth. They're the soundtrack to many, many, many road trips and adventures and, uh, and so they are just, they're, they're woven into my existence quite literally and uh, very grateful for them. What do you call that noise? Let's talk about the songs that we want to talk about today, it. I'd love to hear about the song you chose and the book, important book to Andy. It is. And also I feel kind of say connected to Andy because uh, like Andy, I'm a heavy reader of nonfiction. I admire his brain, the width and the length of it. And, you know, it's his brain is a glorious thing. That's a direct quote from Marvin Hitchcock when we spoke about Andy in Tel Aviv. That was the last gig we saw back in February 2020. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a glorious thing. And I feel a kind of affinity, which is, you know, keeping with this uh, theme of uh, gratitude. As a female fan, I'm especially grateful for Andy's uh, unique approach to the so-called battle of the sexes. So I can see a kind of trajectory leading from adolescent male and anxiety, maybe epitomized in Sergeant Rock, but lots of other songs that talk about this maybe unbridgeable gap between men and women. And as an aside, I... Never saw Sergeant Rock as denigrating women. I saw it rather as an expression of male vulnerability, a very funny, geeky, comicsy way of tackling the subject, which I find quite endearing. Then on to Down in the Cockpit, which is a big leap forward in acknowledging that balance needs to be redressed. And finally, Church of Women, which is my kind of personal anthem. And it's such a sincere tribute to women's powers of raising the living. And as a doula and breastfeeding counselor, this is all very close to my heart. And in fact, I once had a clear vision of a huge gospel-style choir of fans singing this a cappella in a future convention. I'm still hoping it can happen. 
So this uh, book, which I came because uh, from interviews by Andy, is uh, Barbara G. Walker's Women's Encyclopedia of Myths and Secrets. And I'm quoting his words in one interview saying, this is a concrete block-sized book. Apparently, it took Walker 20 years to gather this information. And I was shocked at how male-dominated religion and society has stolen or milked from women. Firstly, their power in society, but also their myths, secrets, and rights. Andy has said this book has literally changed his life and his attitude and his perspective, which I share. Also important to say, because it has to do a lot with his creative sources, this book has been uh, criticized for Christian bashing, which is, of course, another reason why Andy would like it so much. But having read large chunks of the book, I can tell you it actually bashes all the monotheistic religions in equal measure, mainly for their systematic eradication of the ancient cult of the goddess, which was a much more organic thing and connected to nature, agriculture, the seasons, fertility, and sacred sex, which are all very familiar themes for XTC. I think it's very, very obvious. And it prevailed for millennia before, you know, the patriarchy came along. So if you like to delve further, I highly recommend this book. It was very fascinating for me to trace how so many lyrical phrases and ideas have infused Andy's work over the years, including, by the way, Apple Venus and Wasp Star, which are both names of the angels goddess in different cultures, as well as Axis Mondi, which is both from ancient cosmology and a handful of metaphor for the main pink thing. For all this, I am eternally grateful and uh, feel very connected to this man and his big brains. I would like to finish off without saying how much I appreciate Colin's incredible gift for domestic theater and also tackling some of the same things, but in a completely different and original way. Mm -hmm. And I think their meeting was a kind of miracle and the fact that they did what they did over the years regardless of personal difficulties or whatever is just remarkable and like you I am very thankful for the presence in my life and indeed we are we have a bond by having this music as the as the soundtrack to our lives I feel it connects us in a special way wow were it you brought out so many incredible talking points. Um, and certainly I, I came across uh, Barbara Walker's book briefly, but uh, it, it did cross my path when I was uh, doing my bachelor's. I have a minor in women's studies. Wow, so many great talking points. So um, predating um, Andy's acknowledgement of finding Barbara Walker's book and what it meant to him and writing The Church of Women, this is actually a, a theme that goes through their music and it goes as far back as, uh, well, take this town, right? It's important to me for that reason. This was, you know, that they rocked like hell, but they weren't a bunch of macho jocks, you know, with lyrics in take this town, you know, living in a rabbit tunnel, keep the doggy under cavil, mustn't let her see the world. And then him rebutting it saying, no, oh no, don't treat her like that, you know? awesome stuff so i mean that this song means a lot on on so many levels from that angle of giving women their own agency uh especially when at the time i had first come to xdc as i said on the power of colin's two singles uh, making plans for nigel and life begins at the hop and damned if in 1980 and 81 i could find an xtc disc in my local record stores on Staten Island. It took me a pilgrimage in my freshman year of high school to find my very eagerly anticipated copy of Drums and Wires. So in the meantime, this 
song, Take This Town, appeared to me on the Times Square soundtrack that I initially found because, oh, well, hell, it's got the Ramones on it. You know, again, they open, XTC opened the door for me to be into all the other stuff. So like, okay, got to get this. It has, I, I, I want to be sedated. Oh, what's this XTC? Oh, I got to hear this. So that was my, the, the second breadcrumb, if you will, leading me on the path. And it was also my first Andy song, right? Remember, the first two songs that I heard by XTC were Colin songs. So um, just hits a lot of points for me on, on, on a lot of ways. And also because of the age I was. And I, I come from a pretty provincial background, a uh, working class you know, mom was Bronx Irish Catholic. My stepfather is an Italian American from uh, the Lower East Side, Mulberry Street. Very strict. So, damn it, I could relate to those lyrics. Won't keep this bird down. Shout it clear for all to hear. We're going to take this town. Hoorah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I admire dedication for trying to find an XTC uh, record on Dean because I know what it's like when you when you're trying to especially if they're um being deleted or something or, or you know and especially if it's an obscure band so 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 great that you you found one anyway when you when you eventually went out hunting for them and um, but for me choosing an XTC song I think is such a difficult thing to do because they have so much variety and um, I mean it's like you know opening a box of chocolates and you think you're going to go for the toffee caramel but there's so many different flavors you just you don't know which one to pick so I mean I was like you I was going to go for one of you know the instant hits that that hit you. You know at the start, like one of Collins' songs. There were such great, brilliant, uplifting chart hits like Generals and Majors, Making Plans for Nigel. Those first couple of hits that you heard, I thought, oh wow, you know. But then I was thinking, well, you should delve in deeper and and sort of get to see the more sort of obscure side of the band. So I was thinking, should I should I pick something from like Mama or the Big Express where they're not known as well and should I pick one of the songs off then but then I thought um, well no I think what I'll go for and the one I decided for at, at the end was The Last Balloon which is one of the very um, last songs that XTC did um, it was on their Apple Venus album it's one of their more melancholic more reflective songs but the reason that I, I picked it is because it shows consistency I mean I loved their first few sort of groundbreaking songs that they did back in the late 70s early 80s you know your sergeant rocks your you know senses working overtime all all of those great hits at the beginning i love those but i think the thing about the last balloon it shows like the refinement and the sophistication that they they carried on throughout the whole career i think andy even said on the this is pop video once that you know they're one of those few bands that start off good and go on to get even better and i think the last balloon and other on on you know the last later albums is a, a reflection of how good they did become you know it starts off it's, it's a lovely song because it starts off very gentle very dreamy and it's got very poignant lyrics about men and women getting rid of their bad habits and self-indulgent ways you know because society is very sort of selfish and self-indulgent and it just carries you through it's just the way the whole song carries you through you can feel you're sort of on a balloon drifting and I think the highlight of the song is something where pe people often say Andy uses his voice as an instrument and I think the highlight of the song is where he does use his voice literally as an instrument where he goes so much sand at the end so much sand and I'm not going to sing it <laughs> and he sort of merges that into the you know into the trumpet at the end it's just it's just a brilliant example of how how he kind of really gets behind the song and the in the music but like I say the last last balloon and a lot of the songs off Apple Venus just are so very sophisticated. I was reading on, you know, how you read the comments on YouTube sometimes. So some, I, I don't know who it was, but but some guy put, bloody hell, he said, is this is this the same group that did Mechanic Dancing? And, and you can just understand, you know, you can see where he's coming from because he's obviously some, some punk from the late 70s, 80s. And, um, and he obviously hadn't heard any of their stuff in between. And 
and I can relate to that because, you know, I got into their sort of chart stuff and it wasn't until later I got into their albums and, and you just cannot believe they've, they've maintained this level of quality and sophistication. And, but The Last Balloon for me is, is definitely one of the highlights of the, the period and it's one of the, like I say, one of the last songs that they, they put out too. So it means a lot. I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. I'm going to pick a Mayor Simpleton, which was a more popular track in the United States from their album Oranges and Lemons. Um, it was a number one modern rock hit for five weeks in 1989. One of the things I really want to say about this song is this is the song that really made me kind of like really take notice of this band. The 12 string guitar, the amazing bass line from Colin. I can just talk about that for like, you know, a while, but I probably won't. But <laughs> that was the one of the things I also noticed about XTC was Colin's bass lines. Not just that song, like songs like Jason and the Argonauts and even Helicopter when he has that. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> back to um, Mayor Simpleton. Um, the gist of the song really, I think, is him talking about you don't you don't need to have like this big high high class degree to have intelligence common sense to love someone i mean some of the lines in the song are great like if death the feeling isn't currency then i'm the man who grew the money tree i was gonna say leslie i i totally agree with you about mayor of simpleton and i think it, it's totally ironic that someone is intelligent with these lyrics as andy that yes wrote such a like you know it was a, a song sort of running himself down really but he's he's so highly intelligent you know I mean uh -huh. I'm, not, I'm not talking about rocket science although I'm you know I'm sure he could probably build it build a rocket if he wanted he's got he's got the brains to do so you know exactly. but like um he's just it, it's just an ironic song because someone that was so lyrically clever and you know intelligent with his music you know and, and it's so funny someone like him writes such a ironic song about about you know you can't do this you can't do that I mean uh, it's just sort of I, I think it's a great great song even the, even the song title is clever the mayor mayor of simpleton yeah like you know simpleton could be like a <laughs> could be like a town you know yeah always thought that yeah. that was a great title for the song too yes definitely. yeah and there's a yeah and there's a great there's a video on youtube by rick beato that dissects this song mm. um it dissects the instrumentation and even andy singing on this and also want to make a point about the backing vocals in the song too when andy does the chorus and then you can hear colin you know colin and dave in the background the background vocals in the song are just so great yeah. it's just all woven together and then in the fade out and the last fade out of the song, Andy based it off of Pleasant, the end of Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees, I've yeah. read. Oh. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, I read it. but That's so great. I honestly, listening to each and every one of you, I'm just sitting here going, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. To go listen to that again. It's um it's funny, Ursula, because um all of the words that you use to describe Last Balloon are the same words that I used to describe the uh song that I quite randomly chose, mm -hmm. uh, because it's a song that really resonates with me right now in this time of year. The song is Ladybird. It's a gentle and dreamy song like Last Balloon. It, it's funny here in Northern California, we're getting a real spring tease with the weather right now. It's very warm and the birds are out and the hills are turning green and the sky is blue. It's a tease. It's going to go away. Winter is not over. <laughs> but this song is one that just popped into my head. And I think it's because it's not a, a big stretch. I have such a longing for spring right now, probably more this year than I have ever. <laughs> and um, there's so many aspects to this song and the lyrics that I think are really illustrative of, of so much of what we see in Andy's songwriting across the board. It's about, uh, well, we all know him to be the master of the double entendre. You know, he's writing about this bird in the garden, but she's 
also a bird with a garden. And <laughs> I think ladybirds are ladybugs and vice yep. versa. Ladybirds are ladybugs. Okay. Had you never heard the, the nursery rhyme, ladybird, ladybird, fly away home? No, I've oh, never wow. heard that nursery rhyme. Okay. I, I guess, again, it's the, the Canadian but connection I, that I have. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an English uh, nursery rhyme? Yeah, it is. Okay. Ladybird's fine to me, though. <laughs> I like my I like my interpretation, so I'm going to hang on to that. I don't think Andy would have a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> Quite lyrical. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, uh, but what I love about it, I love that it's, it's very sweet. He's very charmed. He's very smitten. He feels protective. He, there's a reverence to her and her femininity, uh, to her as a mother. It's just, it's beautiful in all ways. And in a very, very sweet and simple, low key, dreamy, lovely, lush, green sort of way. He writes a lot about, as Orit said, he writes a lot about women in relationships. And he also writes a lot about nature and seasons and um, uses those as metaphor. Like I said, I think earlier, you know, the songs are gorgeous and you can just enjoy them for that, for the melody. Or you could dig a little deeper into the lyrics and a little deeper into the song structure, which intertwines so tightly with the lyrical structure, the way Andy uses his voice, um, and just his, like I said, crazy creativity. It's just the never-ending cupcake. It just, it's just wonderful. So that was kind of a simple choice for me, just because it's sort of resonating with me at this moment in time. It's funny that you speak of like all the different angles of imagery that Andy approaches like womanhood and femininity uh, from in this song. So, I mean, and we also all know about Andy's love for double entendres with, I mean, so maybe this is a lady with a, a, a garden, you know, with blooms and maybe it's mm -hmm. something else. Enter George Carlin, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, the euphemism of garden. Yeah, exactly. And pink thing. I'm looking at you. Ah, uh, yeah. That's a whole other. I, mean, I, I will say this This speaks uh, very sharply to my naivete. I, it was literally not until last year that I listened <laughs> to pink thing and started thinking, wait a minute. And I've listened to that a million gajillion times. And I always thought about it in one specific way. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah yeah checks out checks out both ways i also like his his darker songs i mean there are these double entendres but i love i love his darker sort of lyrics like your dictionary and things like one thousand umbrellas you know where where it, you know you can you can hear the angst in his voice he's just so playful you know just the way he you know he's, he's so creative and playful and and that together with with colin colin's sort of melody i mean and he's got like the perfect lyrics and Collins had some like ideals grabbing melodies that really grab you, hook you into the songs. And I think it's that perfect combination, isn't it? The thing I like best about XTC is discovering every album's got a, a, a sort of masterpiece on it, isn't it? Every album's got mm. something that everybody really sort of warms to. It's also got something probably really irritating on every album as well. <laughs> but like, there's always there's hidden always, gems. <laughs> there is a hidden gem and there's always a hidden, hidden irritating song as well, I think, on each album. <laughs> but like, uh, but, but the gems always outweigh, yeah, all the, any, any negative stuff. But, but yeah, but... but but yeah, but they're just so clever that, you know, as songwriters, they're just such a clever pair of um, musicians and lyricists. Just mm -hmm. great, great stuff. It's yeah, funny, yeah. Uh, Ursula, because, I mean, Colin is frequently cited as, you know, being the one um, who brings melody. And I, I concur with that because it was mm. uh, his tracks that brought me into yeah. Uh, the XTC fold mm -hmm. however so um drums and wires being um <coughs> the first album that I bought mm -hmm. um 
there's a he can definitely dish out the cynicism too right think mm, about yeah. uh day oh, in yes. day out that mm. that's got a like, very very succinct but the the you know you, the the blade goes in right yes. oh, wish definitely. you were here on the shop floor yeah <laughs> together we can stare at the spot. dots on the wall you know yeah i mean for joe is quite sinister as well yes yeah i'm sorry which one Standing in for Joe. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, fly on the wall from English fly settlement. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Heart as monkeys is a great Colin song. I love. Yes. I love that one. Mm -hmm. He has a song. The yeah. element is dark. That mm -hmm. one too. Yes. Yeah. I love that song. He, <laughs> I was gonna say and dying. On oh, yeah. <laughs> that one yeah. really gets me every time. Yes. yes. A, a real kind of. Uh, I don't know the right word. There's a real kind of ethos about it. Um, yes, that's heavy. That that and sacrificial bonfire are great sort of endings to that album, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Great, mm -hmm. great ending songs. Yes, and as personally Anders go, I always felt that uh, say it was a kind of a good motto for life. Mm. Uh, and uh, when Scatter Me came out, it became my funeral song, of course. So it's very handy to have XTC for every theme, every subject, All everything in your life, because <laughs> they they always say chose a subject matter that supposedly wasn't discussed by other bands, or at least not in the same kind mm. of a searing, hard hitting way, and very serious, and not just you know for the lyrics to go nicely with each other. Just you know, to scan correctly, but mm -hmm. to resonate on so many levels. Yeah, you know, I I feel like I I don't want to repeat myself or sound psychopathic. I think is the word. But yeah, you know, call me a crazy fan. That's who I am, and I'm <laughs> proud to be one. We wear it proudly. Well, with the Colin thing, you know, he wrote a song called "Cynical Days," so. You know, uh, he had even, even Colin had, gets the blues. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. <laughs> one of the when one of the millions too. I mean, his oh, that's a great his songs song. on yeah, his songs on oranges and lemons were kind of cynical and who am I in this world? You know, mm -hmm. that kind of mm -hmm. thing. You know, well, well, king for a day. Also, yeah. yes, uh, so yeah, the lyrics in that song are great. Oh yeah. wait, that's probably my one of my very favorite songs of his yeah. king for a day mm -hmm. there's gravitas to the music it's it's not fluff it's yes. no very no, it's, yeah. yeah it's very um very thought-provoking music yeah definitely they make it they make you think they make you think and mm -hmm. it's not yeah like you said it's not fluff it's not it's not dumb dumb <laughs> Sometimes music is all. <laughs> uh, very powerful. Although it can yes. be a lot of fun and very funny at times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still, there's a seriousness. I think it's because they took themselves seriously as musicians mm. and they yes. always wanted to sound the best that is possibly possible. And they achieved it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not many bands can say that. No. No. Mm -mm. It's true. Uh, they definitely took the musicianship and the songcraft incredibly seriously. But I mean, I think they would also be the first ones to tell you that they, you know, they did not take themselves mm. as entities too seriously. I think that has uh, a lot to do with the fact that, you know, they were Swindonians, so always kind of put down. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I They're humble. Yes. Yeah. They are very humble. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it goes back to, you know, what Leslie was saying about with Mayor of Simpleton and you don't necessarily have to be book smart, even though it probably would have helped Swindon's finest um, navigate all the crap that they had to go to, through. But I mean, another thing that, you know, Andy and Colin, I know have frequently said is that they would go by instinct. Right. And, and, there's a lot to be said for that, too, because, you know, certainly on an artistic level, it served them very well. But, yeah, they, they really did have to struggle a lot, um, comparatively speaking, in reading Chalk Hills and Children. 
you know, Andy mm. was talking about how they were really into the dolls, New York dolls. And so they were able to basically pinch their act for the stage when they were performing in Swindon. But then they went up to London and, oh, look at them, the Swindon dolls. They, they totally got the piss taken out of them for that. <laughs> and it's just like every time that I hear about Swindon, I, I can't help but feel like this this kinship because you know I spent my teen years in, in Staten Island and I've wound up back here again as an adult. <laughs> and, you know, if you're familiar with Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live, you know, it, it's really it's like we should be sister cities, Swindon to Staten Island, because everybody hates on Staten Island. So, um, yeah, just like that perception of, you know, oh, you're from Swindon. Nah, but it's such a shame. Yeah, it's such a shame that they didn't realize, you know, I mean, the Swindon tag is unfortunate because, like I said, when, when they first broke onto the, onto the scene, there was a lot of, you know, top sort of competition I mean there was some really really good bands I mean like the police and the stranglers Joe Jackson Elvis Costello I mean they, they had a lot of good competition and the fact that they for me I, I I could spot them above these bands there was a lot of good music around but they were even head and shoulders above this good music so it's it's a shame the Swindon tag was there because they they really blew the others out of the water I think I think they're just you know their level of music and and like I say it got better and better and more refined more sophisticated so they should never have let that Swindon tag get in the way you know they're, they're just the fact that people around the world and men women children everyone can can relate to them and 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 can be a fan of them you know it, it shows how you know the longevity of the of the music and how how it shows how good they were absolutely you have to wonder if they would have continued to have experimented and gotten um like ursula says more and more sophisticated if they hadn't had those failures if they hadn't had those near misses i mean mm. andy's famous for saying that you know failure was the great motivator that every yeah. time that they failed they would be like okay we're going back mm. this mm. time we're going to knock it out of the park this time and they mm. would tweak it or do something different mm. or have a different approach and um and i think that's really clever i think it's a life skill and i think mm. that in a lot of ways it's what helped them grow into the band that they have become there's an undeniable evolution Absolutely. Even at the beginning, you know, I mean, I, I think that, and I, I'm not exactly sure how to word this, uh, but I do feel like that early days, early XTC, it, it was a little, it was a little much. <laughs> Some of the. Uh, I loved, I loved all that with, with Barry. I, I thought, I thought Barry. Was I a loved great it too. Player. I loved it too. And I think that it was, it was something that when I came into XTC, it was um, 80, mid-80s, late-80s. Mm. After the silly banking period. Yes, yes. <laughs> 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 and uh, so it was a long time before I latched on to them in such a way that I wanted to go back into their back catalog and really yes. fill in the blanks and follow that genesis. And mm -hmm. and while I have enormous appreciation for, for all of it and certainly aspects of even the parts that I maybe don't resonate with, I can understand that at the beginning um, it was it was not that the music was not for everybody. I mean, it was, uh, what was the, what was the phrase that Andy used for Barry's uh, piano playing or synthesizer playing? He said it sounded like a space. Fixing a flying saucer or something. Fixing right. a flying saucer. Yes. And that's, you know, yeah. that's so exactly what it sounded yes. like. And it's mm -hmm. fabulous. But it, it's it really great. But yeah. even that, even that sort of was the, you know, um, everything they do has got like a, a kind of unique character. And I think even that, that sort of identified them, that, you know, that more quirky keyboard sound. I mean, uh, it was yeah. great. I think everything they do is so creative and it's very, it stands alone, you know. So, uh, you know, even that's really, you know, impressive to me. And so, that's and that's in the bank as they continue to move forward yeah. and hone mm -hmm. and build on that and use yeah. aspects of it. It's just, mm -hmm. it's really incredible. They progressed as a band. They they just made themselves better and better and better 
and better and better. Mm. They built on their, all the time they did in the studio, they just built on it and built on it. What could, else mm. could they do? They didn't tour after 82, so. Yeah. That's why Andy, yeah, Andy was just like, we're just going to just make the best albums that we can. They would have been great to see live. I mean, I, I was only about yes. 10, 11, 12, I think, when they when they stopped touring. So I never, yeah. obviously, I wouldn't get to see. All we, have, all we have to see is the YouTube videos of them live. And, and it's like, it's like, oh, my God, they were so good. Can yeah. you imagine? Wow, they were so great. Can you yeah. imagine? Wow. Oh, my gosh. They were in Athens with R.E.M. when I was and with less than an hour from my house yeah. and I was 12, you know, yes, and I look I back and I, I, I have friends or people that I know who were there and it was a yeah. small club. It was not I a know. big, so it was very intimate and tickets mm-hmm. were like $2 and 50 cents. I'm like, oh. even at 12, I could have <laughs> afforded to see them. Yeah. That's I, had, I had no car. I had no agency. I could not yeah. get there. I hadn't even heard of them yet, which I guess is key. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if I had a time machine, if yeah. I had a time machine. I hear that. I was in eighth grade when you know, after having discovered them on my trip to see my grandparents and coming back to New York and in our local paper, you know, they, they had all the club listings and what have you and XTC at the Paramount Theater. Mom, mom. Oh, can I, can I? Oh, let's wait until they go to someplace like Madison Square Garden. Oh. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. Yeah, we see yeah, how that yeah. worked out <laughs> because I was waiting for them in 82 and then, well, we know what happened. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. It, but it's like, it's like you say about a time machine. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of bands over the years and um, I would swap seeing some of those bands that I've seen two, three, four times in my life to just go back and see XTC once, mm. you know, and, and not just XTC, there's other great bands that they either split up or they're not around anymore. And just of that era that I would have loved to go back and see if there was a time machine built. But XTC, I mean, you know, they were a great live band from what, what you see and what you hear. It would have been so good. I'd like to mention the cover bands over the years. You yes, know. yeah, there's quite a few of those. In the absence of original XTC, the cover bands, I had the pleasure to attend their gigs. You know, it's probably the next best thing that we can ever hope for. Mm, I can tell you, uh, just being in the same space with a lot of XTC fans, all singing all the words and knowing all the harmonies and singing Mm. in, in, in such enthusiasm and dancing, I think it's an experience any XTC fan owes to themselves. Yes. So the next, when gigs come Here's back, hoping. you find Here's a couple hoping. band and go dance and sing to your heart's content. It would just be great if they, they would do something like over the summer because I have to make my bones uh, in the public school system and uh, doing things in the <laughs> in the yeah. fall and the winter is not really conducive so those of you who got to the tc and i shows man you are oh. so lucky yeah <laughs> I, I i got to those i got to those but I, I only got to see um one of one of the shows i'm regretting now that i didn't book the whole week off the show, but, uh, but at least I, I did get there i did get there so we were trying to be mature when when everything sold out. We said, "Okay, it's sold out. We yeah. we want money. We you know we really had a cup filled over the years." And then they announced the two extra shows. It was yes, like you know right. the it finger of God. You know, point. You have to go there. You <laughs> yes. have to be there. This is. Your chance and I needed it. Was, it was a great, great experience. And, and for everyone there, you know, it was so moving. It was a great, great experience. Yeah. You know, there were moments in that hall that were, you know, really like a cathedral. You could mm. hear a pin drop. And I think it only fit um, 200 people in. So it was very like um, Andine was saying before and, and Amy, you know, about the, only Intimate. a few small, sure. small people in the crowd. Yeah. small gathering very sort of intimate so it was great yeah if you listen to the cd naked flame you can hear mm. me oh, 
saying after we saw me, you know, you, and and I got confirmation from Colin that yeah, I, that's you. Yeah, I think uh, I can heal myself. And he said uh, that's definitely you. Yes. He said, yeah. So <laughs> eternally well, time machine. recorded mm-hmm. on that wonderful record, which does give you some of the special atmosphere that was there. Mm-hmm. Especially Bungalow and mm-hmm. Scatter Me when this uh, single came. Yes. That was a huge moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the opera single with the high voice. Yes, yes. My fandom kind of like ebbed and flowed over the years, as I know it has been the case for other p- people as well. And the TCNI shows definitely, um, well, the release, right? When I found mm-hmm. out that they were making the release. Oh, I'll get on on that. I'll I'll support. So I didn't realize that. I mean, I know I, I I that one of the perks was the the signed postcard. When I had that in my hands with the signature on it, I damn near fainted. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. oh my god, be still, my foolish heart. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting to have that kind of a visceral reaction yeah. when I got my copy. Yeah. And then, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. 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 Not to make you jealous, but imagine me- meeting them in person. Oh, know. yeah. Don't go there, girlfriend. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, um, or you posted a picture with, with Andy and Erica. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, she's so lucky. And I remember you reading in the post that you said Andy smelled good. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> like, I mean, you have to, you have to come clean. Like, since you were, the, you know, yeah, you told us how Andy smelled. You didn't tell us how Colin smelled. <laughs> I won't divulge any information, but it was a magical night. It was the most generous, kind, perceptive, funny, brilliant, loving, uh, the best husband to Erica. So seeing the love between them and the way he cares for her and protects her, mm-hmm. it, it was just, uh, you know, really moving. I've heard I've heard that um, a few occasions on people where they've gone to signings and things, and and the queue has just gone right around the block because he takes time with each and every one of them, and Truly. you know it's it's just I mean that's another amazing thing you know he, he's so down to earth he could be this real egomaniac sort of rock star type figure but he's just so very down to earth and very yeah, incredibly generous and they all are mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. yeah i mean dave gregory is colin molding is they're all very down to earth genuine blokes you know they, they could be really up themselves really if they wanted couldn't they but but like they're just very genuine natural people and perfect gentlemen as well mm-hmm. yes yeah i hope to find out someday <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've not met Andy yet on Dean, so I've, I've only met half of them. <laughs> I'm afraid we're going to have to draw the podcast to a close, but I can tell we're going to keep talking for hours. I've been Amy Parkerson, and I want to say thank you to Orit, Andine, Ursula, and Leslie for being part of such a wonderful discussion. And we all have to do this again. This podcast is in memory of our friend Sarah Emily, a fiery comet. May she rest in peace. Thank you all for listening to What Do You Call That Noise, an XTC podcast. What do you call that noise? A big thanks from me, Mark Fisher, to Amy for hosting this episode. That was really good of you, Amy. Thank you very much. Thanks, too, to Kathy, Orit, Undine, Ursula, and Leslie. And a shout-out to everyone who helped organise this episode, including Camille, Leslie, Suzanne, and Helen. Thanks again to Arthur, Esther, Rayner, and their counterparts, Polly, Hamish, and Don, as well as Jessica at Strange Town Theatre Company. And big waves of love to the podcast supporters on Patreon, including the following nights in Shining Karma. Matt Anderson, Terry Arnott, Dan Barrow, Matt Bell, Kevin Burt, Liam Duggan, Jamie Dunn, Helen Fay, Leslie Gooch, Robert Graham, Jesper Cumberg, Robert Lawlaw, Dennis LeCourier, Liz Lynch, Amy Parkinson, Murray Meikle, Kevin Murray, Karen Neal, James Newell, Mark Reed, 
James Reimer, Simon Slatehome, Michael Sutcliffe, Mark Thomas, Nigel Waller, and William Wilkstrom. If you'd like to support the XTC podcast, and it would be a tremendous idea if you did, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. Just time for a quick advert and for me to say thanks for listening. See you again next time. What? Do you call that noise? Head to xtclimelight.com where you can buy my two XTC books. First, there's the XTC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls, which is an anthology of Limelight, the XTC fanzine I made from 1982 to 1992. We had a couple of lifelines to the world, and, and Limelight was one of them. So the book is the XTC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls. It's stunning. Thank you, Ian Lee. And then there's What Do You Call That Noise, an XTC discovery book, where you'll find more from the band, plus commentary from musicians, including Anton Barbo. For me, it's just simply a life-changing song. And McHugh. It's like a painting by Van Gogh. Jason Faulkner. XTC probably made the most impact on me of, of any band that I can think of. Chris Butler. If there's anything more classic XTC e e e e this is it and rick buckler it was well produced as well it had the support of a great producer i mean it really sounded strong order your copies of both books at xtclimelight.com it's a paper and ink net the internet with with added staples <laughs>